Thank you for listening to the podcast of John Thiel Maasbach. We hope it inspires you and pray this message will bless you. Oh, my dear listener, we are right in the middle of the confrontation between Elijah and King Ahab and the Baal priest, 400 of them, and the thousands of people that have gathered on Mount Carmel. Oh, when Elijah is there, he walks forward and he utters a remonstrance. He utters a protest to the people. And he says in First Kings uh, chapter 18, verse 21, as he approached the people, he said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people of Israel did not answer him so much as a word. The first thing that Elijah does on Mount Carmel is walk to the people and puts a protest in front of them. He himself did not doubt if God was God. He knew that God is God. And so it was not for him. But he wanted to show the people how absurd it was for them to put to comparison these dead man-made gods, Baal and the Astartes, against the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, who had been with them, who had given them so many victories, who had given them that land, who had parted the sea, who had, oh, just, <laughs> if I go into that, oh, my dear friend, then we don't have time for Carmel anymore. If we go into history to find out what God has done throughout history and how he has shown his power and his might. He is the living one. He is the creator, the beginning and the end of all things. He made Adam and Eve. He gave the breath of life in them. Oh yes, my friend, he even made you and he gave you the breath of life and he had a purpose and he has a purpose with your life. Oh, hallelujah for that. But Elijah wanted to show them how absurd it was for them to compare the two. How can you compare the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob with that false God, man-made God, statue of a God who cannot move, who cannot talk, who cannot do anything, the Baal and the Astartes? But yet, people are still doing it today. Oh, they question the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, and they want something they can feel. They want something they can touch. They want something they can see. And so they make a statue. But what is a statue? How can a statue help you? What can a statue do for you? Nothing, my friend. Oh, why would you bow down before a statue? Why would you offer anything to a statue? It lays there, it goes bad, and you can throw it away again. But we serve the living one. And our God is spirit. We don't want to make an image of him. And so even some people, they thought they were serving the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob by bowing down before a golden calf. They had made a statue, an image of the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, our God. But that is a sin that is breaking one of the Ten Commandments. And uh, you cannot do that and be blessed, my friend. So Elijah, oh, he put that in front of them. And then he put a challenge before them. And he said in verse 24, he said, Then you called on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, It is well spoken. 
all the Baal priests, they thought because Baal was a sun god, a god of the sun, that they had already a head start. They thought they would surely win this one. They were so convinced. But Elijah did it in a way that they could not do their tricks anymore. Or when you take the tricks away and the manipulation and all the other human factors that people do to fool people, oh, then I tell you, my friend, there is nothing left of that Baal God. He is no God, no. What people do when they bow down before those idols is they bow down before evil spirits, the Bible says, but those gods, they are dead, 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 dead as a doornail. They will never do anything to help you. But yet those Baal priests, with all their tricks and their manipulation and their earthly man-given power as they had sucked up to the king, as they were so close to King Ahab and Jezebel, oh, they thought they were so high and mighty. But on that Mount Carmel, as they were surprised by this challenge and the people were there, the thousands of people, they could not back out anymore. They didn't have time to do their tricks, Elijah, and not Elijah, but the Lord did it in a way that it would be proven, it would be revealed, it would come to revelation that that God of Baal is a dead God, the God of Astartes is a dead God also. Oh, all those gods are dead, but that he is the living one, the righteous one. Oh, and God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he had already answered with fire many a time. Oh, think of the burning bush. Think of the pillar of fire in the desert. Think of when the fire came down to destroy those complainers, those that rebelled against God. Think of the fire that came down upon the sacrifice on the altar and so many other times we can read about God answering with fire. And Elijah, he knew that God would answer. Oh, my friend, he knew faith in his heart, God-given faith that came out of the secret chamber, the secret time that he had spent with the Lord in hiding. Oh, he knew that God would answer. You need to spend time in that prayer room, and then the Lord will speak to you, and you will know that he is with you, and you will know that he will answer. Elijah knew that he would answer, that the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, his God, would answer. Miracles are the result of our time spent in the inner room with the Lord. Oh, don't forget that one. Well, Elijah, he handed out some uh, sarcasm there. Oh, as the Baal priests, they took their time. I think about three hours, they were jumping around, dancing around that altar that they had resurrected for Baal, the bullock that was on that altar, and they were running around and dancing and chanting and the Bible says they were crying out in verse 26. So they took the bull that was given to them and prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear and answer us. But, but, oh, I like this but, but there was no voice and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they had made. Oh, they already had taken about three hours chanting, crying out, Oh, Baal, hear and answer us. But there was no answer. My dear friend, 
as I say these words, my heart goes out to the millions of people around the world. I have seen them in the nations that I have visited in my lifetime. I've seen the millions of people crying out to statues, crying out to man-made gods. They're crying out. They are devoted. Oh, people have sacrificed their children to these man-made gods. Oh, and the priests that are there, oh, it's so scary. It's so dark. It's so evil as they give their heart, as they give their soul, as they give their children, their life, their substance to these dead gods and idols, and they're crying out, oh, because they have a knee, because they have a longing to see God in their life, but they are just crying out to the wrong God. They are crying out to these dead idols and dead statues. And you know what the psalmist says in Psalms 115, verse 4 to 9. It says, the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they make a sound with their throats. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. What is that saying for all these millions of people around the world? They are spending everything, their whole life and whole being to these dead gods, and they will never get an answer or satisfaction or salvation. Oh, and I tell you, I don't say this with a smile, and I surely don't say this with a finger of accusation. I say this with a heart that is broken for them, a heart of compassion for these people. They need salvation. They need help. They need deliverance. They need healing. Oh, they need the Lord to help them and to answer them, but they will not get it from these dead gods. And then it says in the psalm, O Israel, trust and take refuge in the Lord. Be confident in him. Cling to him. Rely on his word. He is their help and their shield. Oh, this is my word for them. This is my word for you. And I believe it's not just my word. It is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. He says, oh, turn to him. And so Elijah, oh, he throws some sarcasm out there. Oh, it says he mocked them, saying, crowd out with a loud voice, for he is a God. Either he is occupied or he is out at the moment or he is on a journey. Perhaps he is asleep and he must be awakened. Oh, he was giving them some sarcasm. Oh, I think in another translation, it says maybe he is to the toilet. Yes, I don't know what he was saying there. He was mocking them. And yes, I know there was a purpose behind that mocking because he wanted the people to see how stupid this was, how absurd it was to chant around and to call around to this dead statue, this dead god, this dead idol, while on the other hand, they were the chosen people. They were the people of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How absurd it was to put aside the living God who had been so loving and compassionate to them and to turn to this dead God. And he was just proving it 
with that sarcasm, saying, well, shout louder, he is maybe on a journey. Oh, he was just proving that that God was dead. And so it says, and so they cried out with a loud voice to get Baal's attention, and they cut themselves with swords and lances in accordance with their custom until the blood flowed out of them. As midday passed, another three hours went by. They played the part of prophets and raved dramatically until the time for offering the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered and no one paid attention. Oh, for more than six hours, they had the opportunity and the chance and they called out. But now Elijah, he gives an invitation. His time has come. He knew what would happen. He knew when he would pray. It was the time of the evening sacrifice. Oh, hallelujah for that moment. But you know, that answer from heaven had to be without a shadow of a doubt. And so he tells the people, come near to me. And all the people approached him and he repaired and rebuilt the old altar of the Lord that had been torn down by Jezebel. Oh, he says to the people, come near. Oh, I don't need you to stand far where you cannot see what is happening. There are no tricks here. There's no trickery. There is no manipulation. Oh, come near so you can see what I'm doing. Oh, and you know what I'm going to do first? I'm going to rebuild that altar. Oh, what a prophetic what a, what a prophetic word. What a beautiful symbol there as he's bringing those 12 stones back together, representing those 12 tribes, representing the nation of Israel. He's bringing them back together. They had not just torn apart the altar. They had torn apart the nation, but he rebuilds that altar. And so he is rebuilding that nation again. What a beautiful picture that is. And then he gives them an assignment, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. He did not want there to be any doubt. He didn't want anyone to later stand up and say, well, there was some trickery there. There was some flame there underneath the wood or underneath the stones. No, he said, drench it with water. And then he offers up a prayer to God. What a prayer. It is a simple prayer. It is a prayer brought with such a rest, coming forth out of such a peace, such an assurance there was. And what was the essence of the prayer? It is, Lord, you yourself, will confirm your name and that you yourself will draw their hearts back to you again. That was the essence of the prayer. Lord, it's your name, your name, Lord, and you yourself will fight for your name. Oh, my dear friends, sometimes we are fighting for the name of the Lord. Sometimes we want to prove that God is not a liar. Sometimes we want to prove that God is alive, but that doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. God himself, he will fight for his name and his honor. Oh, he has all the honor, the glory and praise. But isn't this the same desire that Jesus had? Jesus, it says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name as my representatives. 
This I will do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. Oh, that was what Jesus said. He said, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why? Why did he say this? He said, because I want the Father to receive the glory. Elijah wanted God to receive the glory. True worshipers want God to receive the glory. True servants of the Lord want God to receive the glory. They don't want to receive the glory. They don't want to take a part of the glory. They don't want an inch of the glory. They want all the glory to go to the Lord. Oh, that makes me think of that wonderful song of Andre Crouch, to God be the glory for the things that he has done. And so, yes, Elijah, he offers up this simple prayer, but done all out of that assurance, that knowledge that he knew God will answer, just like Jesus standing next to the grave of Lazarus. Lord, I know that you always answer me, but I'm praying for these people that that they may know. Oh, Elijah, he prayed, but he knew already he had received it in the inner room when he was at the brook chariot, when he was at Sarapath. That's where he received that word of the Lord that God would answer. And when the Lord said, go and show yourself to Ahab, because I want to send rain. Listen, this is the word. Elijah, he went because he went on the promise. He believed the promise God said, go to Ahab because I want to send rain. And so everything that he was doing, he was doing based on the promise. The Bible is full of the promises of the Lord for you, my friend. And based on these promises, we can ask, we can pray, we can move forward, knowing that God will surely fulfill his promises. And fire came out of heaven and came down on the altar. Oh, and it burned the sacrifice, and it even burned the whole altar, and it burned all the water that was there around the altar. And the people, oh, when they saw that, oh, not six hours of prayer, though he had already spent years in prayer. This was the time for action. I'm not saying prayer is done in two minutes. Oh, it takes years to pray sometimes for something, but then it's time for action. And that was time for action. And fire came down and the people, oh, they jumped up and they started to cry out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Well, I need to finish, but this was not the finish yet. No, Elijah, he gave a commandment of execution. And he said to them, seize the prophets of Baal and do not let one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon. And as God's law required, he killed them there. One by one, they fell by the sword of Elijah. Oh, yes, my dear friend, that had to be expelled. It had to be expelled out of that nation. They were the ones bringing the people in idolatry. They were the ones that had built these false altars to these false gods and brought the people to bow down before them. They were the one who had brought that drought and who had brought that evil time for Israel. And God said, it's time to get rid of them. And so they banished them. They killed them at the same place where God had given Sisera. And you read that story yourself in the hands 
of Israel. Oh, there are these times and these places chosen by the Lord where he will give the enemy in your hand. Now, I'm not saying take a knife and murder your neighbor or murder these false priests or go to these nations and kill the priests of the of these idols. Don't do foolish things like that. But there must be a reckoning, and there will be a reckoning. And the Lord knows how to do it in our days. Oh, and he will do it that we must banish that voice of the evil one and put him away, put him outside of our life. And then it says that Elijah, he cried out and he said, I hear the abundance of rain. Hallelujah. Well, that for another time, my friend. But we will finish this series here on Mount Carmel, where the Lord answered with fire, where the people's hearts were returned to the Lord, where the glory of God came down and he received the glory, honor, and praise, and where the false priests were banished and put away, and where the heavens reopened and water came down, bringing life to the nation. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I am praying for my listener today as they have heard this whole series. Lord, bring them to their Mount Carmel. I know in their life, you also have a miracle prepared. You already know what you are about to do. Maybe they are in a time of drought. Maybe they are in a time that the enemy is seeking to kill them and destroy them. Maybe they are in hiding. Maybe they cannot live freely as they would like to live. But in the name of Jesus, Father, bring them through all these different times and places. And as they are going through these times and places, you are preparing them. You are putting something in their spirit. Oh, you are opening their spiritual eye. Oh, you are depositing something in their heart. Oh, and you are giving your word to them. Oh, your promise to them that you will surely fulfill, Lord. Lord, I thank you. Oh, that you will bring them to Mount Carmel and they will stand there not alone against all these evil forces and the forces of darkness, but you will be with them. Oh, all of the heavenly host will be with them and you will let them have victory there upon that simple prayer as they pray a simple prayer with an essence that you yourself will, Lord, glorify your name. You yourself will draw the hearts of their loved ones, of their family members, their neighbors, their colleagues and friends, you will draw them to yourself as you will move through their life, Lord. Oh, Lord, answer with fire. We ask you, answer with fire, and you know exactly how to answer with fire in such a way that it will be beyond any shadow of doubt. It will be certain proof that the Lord God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yes, he is God. You are God. You are our God. Hallelujah. You are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So bless my listeners now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Do you wish to listen to more messages? Go to themessagestation.com. Also visit us at maasbach.com. 